All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm giving you my reaction to the Falcons day three draft hall, as well as my overview thus far on the entire 2022 Falcons draft class and how it's an improvement over previous years. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here as part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And I want to thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen, just like all the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcasts. Monday through Friday, you can find Locked Locked On Falcons, free and available in a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, as well as on YouTube, where most days you get to watch the YouTube version, the video version, the night before the audio drops. But, you know, Monday through Friday is different. Uh, when we're in the 12 days of draftmas, I believe this is day seven of 12 straight days of content that I'm bringing you here on Locked On Falcons. And here we're coming up on a weekend, um, you know, a Sunday show to give you my thoughts on, on day three, as well as sort of my general thoughts on the overview of the Falcons draft class. And we'll probably go a little bit deeper on some of these guys on tomorrow's episode. Um, when we can really, you know, let all this stuff sink in. And I will have watched more of guys like Arnold Ebiketti and, and others in this draft class. Uh, I went back and watched more of Troy Anderson and D'Angelo Malone, and I have thoughts on them, but we'll, we'll share those probably on tomorrow's episode. So, you know, before we get into the individual day three picks, I would say in general, I'm, you know, I was kind of met on the day three picks. I, I feel like they kind of perpetuate and personify one of the negative criticisms I have, you know, I have both good and bad thoughts on this draft class. Uh, so let's get the bad news out of the way first. Like the, probably the main criticism I would have on this draft class for the Falcons is that it feels like the Falcons got several players that are already the similar types of players that they already had on their roster. Uh, we'll break that down with the day three guys, especially, but I think that was the case with the majority of their draft picks as sort of one of the downsides. So like, I feel like the Falcons did get better as a football team, but they didn't really expand their talent. They just kind of are recycling the same type of talent on the roster. Um, it's not to sit here and say that there aren't players that are like better versions of those players, but it's just kind of similar types of players. The good thing I'll say about this draft class as a whole though, is, um, you know, in terms of like grading it, I probably would give it like something in the B range where I sort of ultimately fall within that B range will be heavily dependent on where I ultimately fall on guys like Ebiketti and Desmond Ritter. And I probably won't have a final thoughts on either one of those two players until much later in the month. Once I go through all the film, I get access to and, and, and do my scouting reports. But, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of a grades for the Falcons. I think a lot of that is tied to the value of getting Desmond Ritter and the potential of Desmond Ritter. If you believe Desmond Ritter was QB one and has Dak Prescott type of ability and can be a top 10 ish top 12 ish quarterback. Um, then I think this draft looks significantly better. Um, and if you're not quite there yet, um, you know, it's still a good draft class. You're still getting four quality starters. I think when you look at the top four picks uh, potentially with Ritter being a starter, obviously being a starting quarterback in the NFL, 
is a, a fairly high standard to have to achieve. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But I think ultimately, you know, it's Ritter, it's Ebiketti. Like I, I like Ebiketti, but I don't quite see the first round talent that others saw quite yet uh, based off of what I've watched so far. So it's harder for me to be like, oh yeah, this is a home run of a draft pick. But I think the Falcons did get better. Uh, Anderson, Ritter, um, Ebiketti and, and London, I feel fairly good certainly have the talent to be, you know, quality starters in this league. And, and that's the box we want to check. Again, it has the potential to be 08 type of draft. It has the potential to be a 2016 type of draft. I think it's certainly one of the better drafts the Falcons have had in recent years, going back probably to 2018, the last time you you came out of draft feeling this good. And, and certainly I think the, the quantity um, of this draft probably will exceed the quantity and quality of that 2018 draft because the the two bigger hits were in the sixth round not necessarily on day two of the draft and my expectation is that you know day two will probably reap more benefits than round six in this year's draft class but we'll we'll circle back to the round six hall uh in the georgia boys uh and but before we get there we'll talk a little bit more about tyler algier uh and what he brings to the table and whether or not He's going to push or or replace Mike Davis on this roster. We'll get into that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. But guys, I want to thank everyone that made Locked On NFL's live draft coverage uh, their go-to these last couple of days as those guys absolutely killed it with the pick-by-pick analysis. And uh, why not, you know, keep the party going uh, by checking out Locked On NFL or Locked On NFL Draft throughout this week as those guys give the recaps of, you know, who won the draft, who lost, et cetera. And, of course, you can find Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you enjoy listening or watching Locked On Falcons. And, guys, you know, this draft weekend was a great weekend for those of us that, you know, like to put a little bit more extra action on these things. I know myself uh, had a, a number of draft props, and, uh, you know, I didn't hit on the majority of them, but I hit on enough of them to come out ahead at Bet Online, the number one spot and number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And Bet Online has those player props, the player contests, the latest odds, podcasts, and so much more at betonline.net. And it's not just NFL draft props. Even though the draft is over, you can still bet on NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, NHL playoffs are starting up. You got boxing, UFC, golf, esports, even your favorite Vegas casino games, all at betonline.net. Uh, you know, just uh, head to the website, sign up with your mobile device, and learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So let's talk about Tyler Algier, the fifth round running back out of BYU. And he has an interesting story. He wasn't heavily recruited out of high school, walked on at BYU. And from what I understand, because he wasn't a member of the LDS church, uh, you know, sort of had to pay, you know, twice the tuition. I had to work. At, I, I think I read Walmart uh, to work that off and then eventually worked his way, earned a scholarship after two years at BYU, immediately, you know, became this very productive running back playing on that Zach Wilson team a year ago and the Jaron Hall team this past year. And just watching a little bit of Tyler Argier, I can't help but look at Jaron Hall. I'm like, is he better than Zach Wilson? But that will probably be a conversation uh, that we can talk about a little bit more in depth uh, this upcoming fall. Uh, when we get into the 2023 quarterback draft cycle. Uh, but I think when it looks at Tyler Algier, I think he's a solid player, but he was kind of in that group of, you know, running backs for me personally, uh, cause it was a, a 
pretty deep draft class, but he was kind of like more of a consolation prize. Like there was a, a group of running backs and most of them kind of went in that third, fourth round range uh, in, in the draft that I like preferred for the Falcons and probably would have been a little bit more excited had the team drafted those players. Uh, but like Algier is like, okay, well, if you don't get Damian Pierce or Brian Robinson or Zamir White or somebody like that, you can get Tyler Algier and, and still come away with a pretty good uh, running back. So, I think when I look at Tyler Algier, he's very similar to Mike Davis in terms of what I think he will be at the next level. I think the ceiling for him is kind of like what Mike Davis was in 2020 with the Carolina Panthers, which is a really good number two running back, a low level RB one type of player that can be a productive part of your committee, but probably will never be a true sort of workhorse that's going to get, you know, 200, 250 carries uh, consistently uh, on a consistent basis year after year. But I think the hope with someone like Algier is, you know, when you look at Mike Davis's 2020, like that looks like in the context of his entire career, more of an outlier uh, than the norm. And you kind of hope with Algier, like you can get that more consistently year in and year out. And so I think in terms of like immediate expectations I think probably you could expect Algier to give you similar production to what Mike Davis gave you a year ago should he get those opportunities I know right now the Falcons seem to be saying he'll have to earn a spot on special teams but you do wonder if this is a shot across the bow of Mike Davis uh, who's a player that probably is on the bubble the Falcons could certainly cut him uh, in in the coming weeks before training camp I've always kind of assumed since the Falcons didn't cut him back in March, once they were able to re-sign Cordero Patterson, that their plan was to bring him to camp. You know, my assumption all offseason long with the Falcons would draft a running back and then probably have Davis and, and Damian Williams sort of compete for a spot in training camp uh, since both guys bring value as uh, third down backs because Mike Davis is pass protection and, and Williams is also solid there. Um so we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. Um, the other factor, you know, thinking about it in March was if Cordero Patterson, because of the Falcons weakness of wide receiver, winds up playing a lot more wide receiver this upcoming season, you would want to have a reliable veteran running back like a Mike Davis. That's probably a little bit more proven as sort of a lead tailback or uh in the upper tier of your running back rotation and committee system uh, than necessarily D Damian Williams does. But it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons decide to move on from Mike Davis at this point, or they do wind up bringing him to camp and then, you know, potentially could cut him or others uh, at the end of the summer. So, you know, I think this is, you know, Algier, it's going to make it harder for someone like Quadri Olison to make the team, uh, certainly. Um, but, you know, this is kind of, what I mean from earlier where it feels like there's a lot of very similar players, because I think Mike Davis and Quadriolison and Tyler Algier are all kind of in the same bucket of a type of running back. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if it's ideal for the Falcons to have like carried, you know, three of those guys on the roster. And, and certainly you can question if they should really be trying to carry two of those guys on the roster. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Algier can do, how quickly he can get up to speed and, and whether or not we'll get some significant contributions from him on offense this upcoming season, or is it similar to some of the other Falcons running backs that we've drafted over the years uh, that kind of are quiet and play maybe special teams their rookie year uh, as they try to get up to speed. Uh, you know, when, when was the last time we really had a rookie running back make major contributions like Devontae? Like, is it 2014? Because, um, you know, Coleman didn't really do much and Brian Hill didn't do much and Quadri Olison didn't do much. You know, Ito Smith, you know, did something. But like, you know, so 
you know, I'm not expecting Tyler Auschier to sort of break that streak at this point in time, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and uh, that's what we'll say about Tyler Auschier and we'll move on to the six round guys. I know a lot of Georgia fans that I know are, that are also Falcon fans have been, you know, pounding the table that the Falcons don't take Georgia players. Uh, and they finally got two in round six. Although I guess the question is whether or not they got the right to uh, probably if you ask Georgia fans and certainly you'll get my opinion on it as we continue today's locked on Falcons guys. But before we get there, I do want to plug the locked on sports Atlanta podcast family, where you can find three shows devoted to all of Atlanta and Georgia sports, giving that comprehensive coverage in three different voices with a to Z from Mark Zeno, John Chuckery doing hitting hard and Jarvis Davis and Tanitra, Batiste, the host of the ATL Day Ones podcast, giving you three perspectives on the Atlanta sports. And of course, you can find Locked On Sports Atlanta podcasts all on the same feed on your preferred podcast listening or watching platform. Guys, I also want to tell you about Built Bar just in time for, you know, the summer season when you're trying to get your uh, beach body and you want to get your protein up and your calories down. Of course, Built Bar is the great way of doing so because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's actually better than a candy bar because Built Bars not only taste good, they're good for you since they're low in sugar, calories and carbs, but high in protein and fiber. And just in time for summer, Built Bars unveiling their granola flavor uh, where they have chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut still available. The white chocolate berry is already sold out. So, you know, these things are going fast. And right now, if you head on over to the website at built.com and buy anything, whether it's a granola bar or the try to choose or anything at the website, you'll get a free order of immune supporting built boost while supplies last. So head on over to the website at built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked 15 L O C K E D one five for 15% off at built.com. So let's talk about the Falcons two six round picks in Georgia guard, Justin Schaefer and tight end John Fitzpatrick. Let's start with Fitzpatrick first. Cause I don't have as strong a take on the Fitzpatrick pick. So you got to leave you with my hottest take uh, when we talk about Justin Schaefer, but you know, Fitzpatrick seems solid uh, from what I understand. He like could have gone to an Ivy league school, uh, but chose to go to Georgia. He's got good size for a tight end six, seven to 60, um, I know he injured his foot and had surgery on that, so he didn't necessarily work out. So we don't quite know exactly how athletic he is. But, you know, from the one game I watched of his, the SEC championship game against Alabama, um, you know, it seems athletic enough to play in the NFL. Uh, in that particular game, I know Georgia used him more as a H-back and asked him to block a little bit more in space than be this sort of true Y inline tight end uh, when he was asked to be more of an inline guy and, and was asked to block you know, guys like Will Anderson for Alabama, like he didn't, it didn't necessarily go his way, which of course, anybody who knows anything about Will Anderson and who's probably going to be one of the top uh, non-quarterbacks taken in next year's draft uh, knows that that's not necessarily a fair standard to judge him by. But then again, if you're going to be a blocking tight end in the NFL, those are the type of DNs. Uh, there's going to be more Will Andersons in the NFL than they are certainly in college. So you need to be able to check that box. So, um, you know, he, he, he seems like a guy that I think right now I'd probably slot him in as the fourth string tight end. I don't see him right now based again, based off of one game. And that may change after I watch mo- multiple games, sort of leapfrogging Parker Hesse as the third string tight end. I think Hesse showed enough last year blocking those NFL caliber DNs uh, that he's, he's ready to be that, you know, third string primarily blocking tight end that replaces Lee Smith. Um, and I think John Fitzpatrick has the potential um, to, you know, 
be groomed into that role. And then probably more so than Hesse has the potential to potentially give you a little bit more value in the red zone as a pass catcher, just because of his size. And I think sitting here today, like you're, you're kind of hoping, you know, I, I would, I would call him a poor man's Levine Toilolo, like in terms of his ceiling. Um, you know, again, I haven't seen enough blocking ability to make me feel like he's as good a blocker as Levine Toilolo was coming out, but you know, that could be developed as he moves forward. So that's kind of where I see him. In terms of Justin Schaefer, um, I'll be honest with you. I don't really get this pick. Uh, I mean, like, I know you want to bring in competition for Jalen Mayfield, but I don't know if this is real competition for Jalen Mayfield because, it, it, again, it feels like you're drafting the same player that, you know, Justin uh, Schaefer does have experience starting at left guard. I think he had, like, 13 or 14 starts there at Georgia. Um, but, like, he also checks the same boxes that Jalen Mayfield or doesn't check – the right boxes for Jalen Mayfield because, you know, he's this questionable fit and kind of raw, lacks technical things uh, in the outside zone blocking scheme. Uh, the thing I can say about Justin Schaefer and Georgia is that Georgia did run more outside zone than I saw Michigan run a year ago. Uh, but, you know, he just, that wasn't the scheme that you would think he fit in. The scheme that you would think Justin Schaefer would fit in is more of that gap power scheme um, because of his strength and his ability as a run blocker at the point of attack. Um, you know, I think Dane Brugler called him hyper competitive in his draft guide. So that's a good thing. You, you know, you want to bring in competition for Jalen Mayfield, but you know, ultimately I think the issue I have is like the reason why Jalen Mayfield failed was not because he's, he wasn't strong enough. He wasn't nasty enough or he wasn't competitive enough. So bringing in a guy that's strong, nasty and competitive, is is fine, but like that's not the box that you need to check. The reason why Jalen Mayfield struggled was he had bad technique, and Justin Schaefer also has bad technique, arguably worse technique uh, than Jalen Mayfield coming into the league. And so, like when you put these heavy leg guys, these unathletic guys, uh, and and Schaefer's not a bad athlete by any means. He, he's decent going in a straight line and explosive at times going in a straight line. He's just not consistent with it. But you put these guys, these heavy leg guys against NFL pass rushers, and they're getting eaten alive. And so, like, I, I just sit here and I go, like, you know, again, the six-round pick, it's fine. Like, you you wanted to get a body there. But, like, it, it felt like to me, again, you know, similar to last year when, when Jalen Mayfield was the pick, it's just like I feel like there were better options available at that draft that could give you something that you didn't already have. And, and you know, again, you already had a, a super raw untechnical, you know, player with questionable athleticism to fit the scheme on the roster. And you just double dipped on that. So it is what it is. You know, if you're a Georgia fan, you know, I, I wonder how you guys feel, you know, by all means, you know, you provide your feedback in the comments or, or elsewhere uh, for me. But, you know, I think Georgia had the record 15 players drafted. Um, and, you know, if you were power ranking those, those 15 guys, like I feel like the Falcons got number 14 and number 15 on that list. Um, and so it's just, it's just funny to me, like, you know, at least a handful of Georgia fans I've talked to since the draft are like, yeah, I'm, I wanted us to draft more dogs, but like <laughs> there were like a dozen other guys <laughs> that I wanted us to draft, not necessarily these two. So it's just, it's just kind of funny for the Falcons. It's like, yeah, we'll just take some Georgia guys and like, and probably not the, the two that you would ideally want, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. So guys, shorter episode. I know, um, just don't have too many super compelling thoughts on day three of the draft. And we'll just sort of see ultimately, I think, you know, those first two days, those first, you know, four or five picks, 
will ultimately determine, you know, the future of this draft. And we'll see if, you know, Tyler Algier can turn into a, a late round gym or, you know, Justin Schaefer winds up surprising or John Fitzpatrick turns into, you know, I don't know the equivalent of Kamal Ishmael on, on offense or, or whatever the case may be uh, a guy just, you know, just keeps sticking around for like seven plus years and, and provides uh, value as a role player. So we'll see how it all plays out uh, tomorrow. We'll be back to give more thoughts on those early round picks uh, and, and why I'm, uh, while I'm not in love with this draft class, I I'm certainly like, you know, look, I, I've decided like beggars can't be choosers. And similarly to that 2018 draft class, like I wasn't in love. Like I, I was very down on the Calvin Ridley pick. Cause I'm getting my philosophy. on like taking wide receivers early in the draft when you, when you have problems on your offensive and defensive lines, which was the same thing. Um, but eventually, you know, you, you, you learn to love it. Uh, and you learn to appreciate it. And so I'll, I will do my best to learn to appreciate at least Drake London. And hopefully, you know, I will get to a, a same place uh, with some of the other Falcons draft picks as we move forward. So that will do it, guys. If you want to provide your feedback uh, on anything I discussed on today's episode, anything I've discussed on previous episodes or anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, of course, you can do so via Twitter or Facebook at Locked on Falcons. You can leave an email. Uh, you can leave a comment on Locked on Falcons on YouTube, and you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. Guys, I appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow for day eight of Draftmas, and then we got, you know, yeah, like four more days of this. So uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. Till then.